So, I do want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. Uh, turn to Exodus 29 and Genesis 22. And uh, they're really actually very close, obviously, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus being the second book in the Bible. So, if you go to Exodus 29 and then put a marker at Genesis chapter 22, or if you want to, you can just flip over there in just a moment. Uh, we'll begin in Exodus chapter 29. We're in this series called The Show. We're not at all trying to minimize the story of Jesus Christ by calling it the show, but simply using that so that we can invite people that don't come to church to be able to come and to be able to hear the greatest story ever told. And so this weekend, I want to share a message with you called The Star. I want to talk to you about the star of the show, and obviously that's Jesus. But when the star came, he didn't come as some stars might come. He came as a lamb. So I want to show you how Jesus Christ came as the star of the show, but actually he came as a lamb and what that means to us today. The, the word lamb is in the Bible 104 times. Now, if you can think about that, of all the thousands of words in the Bible, only 104 times does the word lamb appear. 54 times, so a little over half are in the first five books of the Old Testament, which we call the Torah, the law. First five books. So, over half the times the word lamb is in the Bible, it's in the first part of the Bible. Twenty-seven times, so that's a little over one-fourth, it's in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Three-fourths of the times this word is in the Bible out of 66 books, it's either at the beginning or the end. Here's what I thought about when I saw that. The show begins and ends with the Lamb, who obviously is the star of the show. So let me show you a, a verse about the Lamb in the Old Testament, and we'll look at some verses about the Lamb in the New later. Uh, Exodus chapter 29, look at verses 38 and 39. It says, now this is what you shall offer on the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day day continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight, twilight being when the sun went down, and that actually would begin the next day. So here, here's what they're saying. He's saying every day at twilight, you need to offer a lamb for any sins you committed during the day. If you blew up at work at someone and said some things you shouldn't have said, or if on the freeway on the way home you got angry and told someone he was number one, <clears throat> then when you get home, you need to offer a lamb when the sun goes down for any sins you committed that day. And then the first thing when you get up the next morning, you need to offer a lamb for any sins you committed that night, the night before. Not so much when you're sleeping, but remember the, the day began at uh, twilight. So, once the sun went down, before you went to sleep, any sins you committed, and for some of us in our past life, that would have been a lot of sins in that, in that amount of time, okay? So, you have to offer two lambs every day, one in the morning, one in the evening. Well, I have a real simple question for you. Did you offer your lamb today? This morning, before you came to church, did you get up and offer a lamb for your sins? Well, of course you didn't. Why? Well, the reason is because the lamb has already been sacrificed for us. 
Jesus Christ. He fulfilled this Old Testament prophetic scripture. He's the Lamb of God. But do we still kind of offer lambs when we sin? In other words, offering lambs was under the law. We're under grace now. But do we have a tendency sometimes when we sin to fall back under law, to try to do something to make up for what we did wrong? You know, I grew up in a church that was a good church, good grace church, preached grace, but we had a lot of rules. And maybe you grew up in a church like that. They talked a lot about grace, but, well, there were some rules you weren't supposed to break, you know? And I, I remember, I guess, interpreting some things that were said to me as rules. For instance, I can remember a Sunday school teacher telling me, uh, if you don't confess every sin, then it won't be forgiven and you'll go to hell. You have to confess every sin. Now, hear me, I, I believe in confessing sin. I believe that. Uh, Hebrews tells us that if we don't confess our sins, then what happens is we'll serve God out of, a, a, uh, out of works, out of dead works, because our conscience has not been purged. And so we need to confess our sins. We need to keep short lists. If we don't confess our sins and there's an area of your life that you continue to repeat, uh, I'm going to go into series after this about how that will open a door to the enemy in your life and bring bondage into your life. So I do believe we need to confess our sins. But my question is, do you need to confess your sins, all of your sins, to be forgiven? And what if you forget one? Is your passage to heaven depended upon your memory. Because if it is, some of you are in trouble. <laughs> I mean, you can't remember what you did yesterday, so much less what you did in 1997. See, see what if you forget one sin? See, it's a works mentality. So again, as a little boy, I mean, I, I just, you know, my mind, I start thinking, okay, if I forget a sin, I'm, I'm going to go to hell. Well, I don't want to go to hell, so I know this it's going to sound really funny what I did, but I got a notepad. And I started writing my sins down on the notepad. Uh, I, I can remember, too, one time, you know, I got in a lot of fights growing up. I remember one time I pulled the notepad out, and I said, I'm going to write this down because what I'm about to do to you is a sin. <laughs> I guess that's where that expression came from. Maybe you've heard the expression. You've probably never heard it in church before today. But there used to be an expression we say, I'm going to kick some rear and take some names. Have you ever heard that? I'm going to kick some rear and take some names. Now, I don't know why uh, you have to take someone's name when you kick his rear. I don't know why. I guess so that, you know, you'll remember and, you, you, you know, like if you say, hey, 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 I'm about to, wait a minute, didn't I kick your rear last year? You know, so I don't know why you have to do that. But I wrote down my sins and then so I wouldn't forget them. But then I got to thinking, it just kind of dawned on me. I thought, what if my parents find this? <laughs> I mean, this is evidence. This is like a written record. You know, hey, yeah, you, yes, you did do that. You know, you can't, you know, so, 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 hey, this is crazy, but it's just the way my, my mind worked. I came up with a code. <laughs> and different words meant different sins. You know, I mean, I might write down the trees looked real pretty today. And I looked at this one tree and thought about this tree for a long time. 
And then one Wednesday night in church, uh, I, we, we had Wednesday night prayer meetings, you know, and for some reason I was awake, and I, I heard this, <laughs> I heard this woman pray, and Lord, forgive us for all of our sins we can't remember. I thought, praise the Lord, there's a catch-all prayer. I didn't even know about the catch-all prayer, you know. I could pray the catch-all prayer. Lord, forgive us for all our sins we don't remember. And then I remember hearing this guy who prayed another catch-all prayer. He said, Lord, forgive us for all of our sins of omission and commission. Omission and commission. Omission, the ones we didn't mean to do. Now, but when you think about that, that's kind of a crazy prayer too. You know, Lord, forgive me for all of my sins that I didn't meant to do and forgive me for the ones that I meant to do. <laughs> I, I, I meant to do them and I did them anyway and I'll probably do them again. You know, it's just a works type mentality. But what I want you to understand is we are not forgiven because we cover all the bases. We are forgiven because He covered all the bases. That's grace. So, let me tell you some things about the star who became a lamb, all right? Number one, the star was provided. The star was provided. This is Genesis 22. If you put a marker at Genesis 22, if you'll just flip uh, just to the left there, Genesis chapter 22. This is when Abraham and Isaac are, are walking up the hill and Abraham is going to sacrifice Isaac to God. Genesis 22 verse seven. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Now, that's an unbelievable verse. Put yourself in Abraham's place. You are walking up the hill with your son that you're going to sacrifice to God. And you don't know the future. You don't know that God's going to stop you. You don't know that. As far as you know, this is the last time you're ever going to see your son. And your son looks at you in the eyes and says, where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? And you know it's him. And what an incredible statement Abraham makes. He said, my son, my son, God will provide. Here, here's what I think he was saying. I don't understand what's about to happen, but I know God will provide. Can I tell you something? That's the answer to whatever you're going through right now. Whatever you're going through, financial, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, family, marriage, whatever you're going through, here's the answer. I don't understand what's about to happen, but God will provide. God will provide. And then he makes a statement. God will provide the lamb. The lamb. Okay, here's what I want you to notice though. God did not provide the lamb that day. As a matter of fact, he did not even provide a lamb. Remember when we, a lamb, he said, of the first year. Less than a year old, that's a lamb. Okay, here's what God provided. He didn't provide a lamb. He provided a ram 
of such mature growth, he had his horns caught in a thicket. That's not a lamb by any stretch of the imagination. So God did not provide the lamb. He did provide a sacrifice, but he didn't provide the lamb. But Abraham speaks prophetically. God will provide for himself the lamb. So when did God provide the lamb? Well, let me read you a New Testament scripture. John 1.29 says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's when God provided the Lamb. Now, if you think about this too, Abraham is our spiritual father if we are of faith, the Bible says, Galatians 3, 29. If we're of faith, if we believe in Jesus, Abraham is our spiritual father. Spiritually, we are sons and daughters of Abraham. Okay, I want you to think about this. Our spiritual father, Abraham, walked up a hill with his son raised a knife in the air, but stopped before he plunged it into the chest of his son. 2,000 years later, it was 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus. 2,000 years later, our heavenly father walked up the same hill with his son, raised a spear in the air, and did not stop, but plunged it into the chest of his son so we could be saved. See, Jesus is the Lamb of God. What I'm saying is God provided the Lamb. But in the same way, because of works, we sometimes try to provide a covering for our sin. The only thing that will cover our sins is the blood of Jesus. That's it. But we do the same thing. We do the same thing Adam and Eve did. When Adam and Eve fell, they tried to cover their sin. And they tried to cover from God and from each other. And they used plants. Plants. That's what they tried to cover with. Now, we think, oh, how ridiculous. Okay, I'm just wondering, just think with me, do we do this sometimes? Do we try to hide, not only from God, but from each other, when we don't feel worthy or when we've blown it, when we made a mistake. Maybe we come to church and we've had a bad week and, and, and we, we've fallen that week. We said we never do it again, but we fail. We did something that we're so ashamed of and we come to church and we feel real shamed because, you know, we're with all the holy people. They don't blow it like we do. And all of a sudden we're at church and someone says to us, hey, how you doing? I just wonder on the inside if we don't do something like this. Uh, good, how are you? And then, before we know it, we're walking around at church like this, and then someone walks up, you know, behind us and says, how are you? And we go, hey, I'm good, how are you? And then worship starts, and God looks down from heaven and says, how are you doing today? And we say, oh, good, Lord, hey, how are you? Oh. I want you to keep this image in your mind. Because I want you to think about how silly we look trying to cover our shame from God. So it's not plants that cover our shame, because you remember with Adam and Eve, they used plants, God used a lamb. God killed an animal and covered them with the skin of the animal. Without the shedding of blood. Hebrews says, there's no remission of sin. 
There's no covering. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So the lamb was provided. Let me tell you the second thing about the star of the show that became a lamb. The star was pure. The star was pure. Exodus 12.5 says, your lamb shall be without blemish. This is specifically speaking in Exodus 12 of the Passover lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Now, the, the words without blemish, uh, in the English we have two words, but in the Hebrew, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, it's only one word. In, in the Hebrew, uh, this is only one word. It does mean without blemish. It means without fault, without defect. But what it also means is 100% pure. 100, not 99.9, 100% pure. Okay, so here's the Old Testament giving a prophetic image toward Jesus, and it says, listen, the lamb has to be without blemish. In the New Testament, he's telling us that we were not redeemed with something here on this earth, but we are redeemed with the blood of Jesus. Listen to what it says, 1 Peter 1.19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without blemish and without spot. Without blemish and without spot. Now, again, in the English, it's two words. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament written in Greek. In the Greek, this is one word again for without blemish. It's only one word. It again means without blemish, without spot, without fault, no fault. But again, it means one hundred percent pure, completely pure. Now, the reason I want to show you this is, notice these phrases, without spot and without blemish. Without spot and without blemish. The reason I want to re remember spot and blemish, the reason is, it's because there's another verse that talks about this, and yet I think we misinterpret this verse. Uh, Ephesians 5, look at verse 27. It says that he, that's Jesus, might present her, that's the church, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot, we just read that word, or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she, the church, should be holy and without blemish. This is the same Greek word we just read in 1 Peter 1 that talking about Jesus, the lamb, is without blemish. And it says Jesus is going to present himself a church without spot and without blemish. Okay, here's my problem with how some preachers preach on this. Here's what they do. They say, now we, you see, we need to get holy. We need to straighten up because Jesus is coming back for a church without spot and without wrinkle, without blemish, and we better straighten up. Now listen, I believe in living holy. I believe in living holy. But is that what that verse is talking about? Let me ask it to you this way. Are you ever going to be holy enough through your works to be 100% pure? No. Let me tell you what this is talking about. Jesus is going to present to himself a glorious church. She has no spot, no wrinkle, and no blemish because he has washed us in his own blood. That's what makes us without blemish. Not that we don't sin as much as we used to. This guy said to me one time, well, I don't sin as much as I used to. I said, congratulations. <laughs> and I'm glad you don't. But that still doesn't mean you're without blemish. 100% pure by your works, but you can be by the blood of Jesus. So the star was provided, the star was pure, and here's number three, 
the star was perfect. The star was perfect. Let me show you another Old Testament reference here. Leviticus twenty-two twenty-one. And whoever offers a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow or a free will offering from the cattle or the sheep, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. He said, you want to offer a sacrifice to me to pay for your sin? Okay, it has to be perfect. I'm a perfect God. It has to be a perfect sacrifice. Is your sacrifice perfect? On your own, no. Jesus, though, what he did, absolutely perfect. He came and fulfilled the law and became the perfect lamb of God so we could be forgiven. Now, we read earlier about the Passover lamb. Speaking of the Passover lamb, um, we read the Old Testament verse about the Passover lamb had to be pure. Let me show you, again, a New Testament fulfillment. I want you to know Jesus fulfilled this. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Our Passover lamb, Christ, has been sacrificed. By the way, if you don't know, he died on Passover. On Passover. He fulfilled this. Now, when I read the Bible, um, a lot of times I think, you know, I think there could be leaving out not important details. Obviously, the Bible's perfect, but human things, you know, that happened. You know? Um, for instance, the first Passover, when Moses told the guys, okay, you're going to have to, you know, shed a blood, blood of a lamb, and, and if, the, if the angel of death sees the blood on your doorpost, then he'll pass over, you'll be spared. Okay, I, I just wonder uh, if that went over how well that went over in all the homes. Because you have to remember this, the women were not invited to the meeting, okay? So just think about the man coming home and trying to explain this. Just, you know, meets his wife at the door and she says, okay, what'd he say this time? And the man says, well, um, well, we, we have to kill a lamb. Another lamb, that's 16 this month. I don't know what it is about Moses and lambs. I'm telling you, the man needs to see someone. I don't want to watch. I don't even, I don't want to watch. Well, um, that's not all. Uh, now, you think about trying to tell a woman this. Because I, I live with one, Okay. Um, we, we have to put the blood on the door. On my door? <laughs> you want to put blood on my door? We just painted that door last week, and red is not in our color scheme. See, here's what I'm trying to say. They had to believe by faith, that if they put the blood of a lamb on their door, they would be saved. What if someone said, that's crazy? That's not what would do it. That doesn't make any sense. 
See, God was testing them, even them. They were saved the same way we are, by faith, through the blood of a lamb. As a matter of fact, it's so similar, so many people never realize this. The Bible tells them exactly where to put the blood. They were putting it on the doorpost, one on each side of the doorpost, and on the mantle. So, so just think about this. Think about, let's say there's a, a door. Imagine a door right here. Okay, now watch what this forms when they put the blood. They had to put the blood here on the left doorpost, and then they'd move their hand across and put it on the right doorpost, and then they'd stretch their hand up and put it on the mantle, and then it would drip down. <laughs> Let me show you again, and while I'm showing you, I want you to think about Jesus on the cross. And a spike in his hand here, a spike in his hand here, a crown of thorns on his head, and a spike in his feet. And they put the blood here, 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 and it dripped down. They were saved by the blood of the lamb in the form of a cross. Do you know how you get saved? By the blood of the lamb in the form of a cross. Same way. By grace through faith, will you believe? And every year after the Passover at Jerusalem, every family had to bring a lamb without blemish and offer that lamb. And every time, every family, they'd bring that lamb. And the, you got to understand now, the, the, the priest, the rabbi, would examine the lamb to make sure it was without blemish. So when that guy is on his way, he's chosen this lamb, and he's bringing his lamb to Jerusalem, I just want you to think for a minute, were any of his thoughts on himself? Were any of his thoughts on his own performance? Because see, we think a lot about our performance. Did, was he thinking, well, I hope the rabbi doesn't ask me about my church attendance because uh, uh, I, I haven't really attended church much this year. Was he thinking about that? No. Was he thinking, I hope the rabbi doesn't ask me about my Torah reading, about my reading of the Bible because I started that new branch of my business and I didn't read my Bible as much this year. Was he thinking about his, his Bible reading plan? No. You want to know why? Because the man was not examined. The lamb was examined. See, that's really good news for us. Because the world examined our lamb. And do you know what the world, the world said about our lamb? Here's the exact quote. I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. But really, it doesn't matter what the world thinks of our lamb. The Father examined our lamb. This is the way he said it. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Let me just translate that for you. In whom I find no fault, no blemish. I will accept this lamb. I was uh, trying to lead this guy to the Lord and he was a great big guy, had a, a bad past like I have a bad past. And, but he just, he just, he just, there was a battle going on. Uh, in, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to the Lord. And I'm telling you, there'll be a battle. Satan will try to stop you, but don't let him stop you. 
So I'm trying to lead this guy to the Lord, and I'm saying to him, no, listen, Jesus died on the cross. He paid for our sins. And here's what he said. He's a great big guy, and he was sobbing. I mean, sobbing. And he said, preacher, you don't understand. I'm too bad to be saved. I'm too bad to be saved. I'm too bad. I'm too bad. I'm too bad. I'm too bad. And 15 minutes, I'm saying, no, you're not too bad. Jesus paid for your sins. His blood covers your sins. You, you know, you just have to believe in Jesus. He said, oh, I'm just too bad. I'm just too bad. And then I had this thought come to me. So I just said to him, I said, you know what? I've been thinking about it. I think you are too bad to be saved. And this great big guy went, what? I said, yeah, yeah, you know, you told me some of the things you've done. I, I agree. I said, I'm just going to go on now because I think you're too bad to be saved. He said, wait, wait, wait a minute. He said, what about all that stuff about Jesus dying on the cross for me? And I said, well, do you really think that because Jesus was beaten and mocked and nailed to a cross until he bled to death, I said, do you think that's enough? And this guy sat there for a minute, and then he got this big smile on his face, and he said, yes, I do. I said, now you can be saved. Because the star of the show became a lamb and paid for our sins. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to give your life to God. Or maybe to give your life back to God. So many times we start going down a way. And then we start going our own way and we get all messed up and all sorts of things. And we need to come back to God. And I want to give you an opportunity right now. Uh, that's the reason I asked you to close your eyes. Because I don't want you to feel embarrassed. I don't want you to have any pressure of anything around you. So if you would like to give your life to God, no matter which campus you're attending, Every campus, you're hearing my voice right now. You're seeing me on the screen. If you want to give your life to God, I want to help you. Someone help me. I was in a, in a, in a motel room. This evangelist had taken me with him on a trip. And I was in one room. He was in the other room. And I went over to his room to talk to him because I felt I just knew my life was so messed up. And in that room, he helped me come to Christ. So if that's you, I want to help you. No matter which campus you're attending, if you, if you want to give your life to God right now, I want, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just right where you're seated, would you just pray in your heart? Just say, dear God, just tell me, just say, dear God, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Tell him that. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. And I receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior today. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. Tell him that. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. I put my faith in you. Now, no one's looking around. I'm the only one looking around. But if you prayed that prayer and you really meant business with God, would you just put your hand up right and sit? Put it way up high. You ought to be proud to put it up. You ought to be proud to put your hand up. Every campus, every campus, put your hand way up high and hold it up high. I prayed that prayer and I really meant business with God. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. If you raise your hand, listen to me. It's very, very important. In just a moment, I would like to pray with you. And I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat, to come to the front of the auditorium, 
And at every campus, I want you to come. We're going to stay live at every campus. I want you to come to the front of the auditorium, and I want to pray with you and seal the deal. Here's the reason why. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before other people, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you're ashamed of me, I'm going to be ashamed of you. By you coming forward, you're confessing Jesus publicly. You're saying, I gave my life to the Lord, and I'm not ashamed of it. Now listen, there's a battle. Satan will try to stop you. Don't let him win the first victory in your life after you've given your life to the Lord. So as soon as we stand up, as soon as we stand up, then I want you just to stand up, step out, and come. If you're with someone, just tell them, say, will you go with me? I, I need to go. I need to nail this down today. At every campus, as soon as we stand up, you just stand up, step out, and come, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll give courage to every person at every campus who prayed that prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.